you could shoot a cannon down yeah. one of the corridors and not hit anyone. And that is what is what is unique. I have been on other cruise ships. I've done P&O and I've done Holland America several times and that's a completely different experience. You've got over 2,000 people and you're squeezing past each other in the narrow corridors. But the world, it really is a unique environment where they just have created space. Howdy who folks and welcome to the In Search of Adventure show. I'm your host Peter D and I'm coming to you from the Adventure Club Room where we reignite your curiosity for an extraordinary life, making sure you have all the skills in place to take back control of your own story. This episode, our action hero guest Helen and I got to experience what it's like to live on a cruise ship. Well, residences at sea, as they call them, on the world with a capital T and a capital W. Our particular adventure occurred in and around the Faroe Islands and Iceland, and I can't wait to revisit this incredible adventure with you. Alrighty. Helen, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. Thank you. This is the first podcast you've ever been on or listened to. Absolutely. Exciting. We have a newbie, folks. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Is it true you can live permanently on a cruise ship traveling around the world? You certainly can. And it's called the world. (laughs) The world has been around for a while, but it's still one of a kind. It's right. still the only ship where you are can be an owner and own your own apartment and live there as for as little or as long as you want. Which is insane. Now, it travels almost all the year, right? It travels 365 days of the year wow. around the world. Um, different routes every year, obviously, that are voted on uh, by the residents and wow. agreed by the people that live and own the apartments. And um, generally, some of the really um, far-flung places tend to be visited every four years. Right, okay. So there's like a cycle they're trying to There is to. a cycle, that's right. Okay. The popular spots, um, mostly Europe, get knocked off every year <laughs> because that's where people want to go, particularly Americans. Right. But when you have places like Antarctica and Svalbard and Greenland and even down to Africa, sort of, it's on a rotation. Every few years. Okay. Yes. But it's not your everyday cruise ship it's not it doesn't have broadway shows it doesn't have a casino and it this certainly is... does not have a water slide right <laughs> <laughs> it does not have a water slide and what's what is unique about this is that it's it's a big ship it's a big ship when you see it it's it's vast it's impressive but you can walk through and even what they consider to be full capacity which will be between 200 and 220 people at any one time they they consider that to be full um, high occupancy they call it you could shoot a cannon down yeah. one of the corridors and not hit anyone and that is what is what is unique i have been on other cruise ships i've done P&O and i've done holland america several times and that's a completely different experience you've got over 2000 people and you're squeezing past each other in the narrow corridors but the world it really is a unique environment where they just have created space. Yes, and it's interesting. That really stood out for mm-hmm. me because I had never been on a ship like this of any type, cruise ship or anything, and I was ready to have to fight for a table at dinner. You know, one of those things where you're like, because I've been to resorts, and that's yes. sometimes what happens. It's like, oh, if you go at yes, time, yeah, right. right, we've all got to fight to sit yes. down, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. And, I mean, if there was six or eight people at the cafe or wherever we, you know, the bistro where we had dinner a couple of nights, 
we were lucky, right? I mean, we you just didn't really encounter people. No, that's right. And there's five restaurants on board of all different um, styles and, and levels of formality, I suppose. Um, and generally with those you would book, but um, there's never an issue. And people also have the ability to cook in their apartment. Right. right? They, all the apartments, uh, the two-bedroom and the three-bedroom, they have fully-fledged kitchens, just like we do at home, and right. you can whip up whatever you want. And I reckon so that's... No, eating in a restaurant no. and I think... That word, I think, is a difference, apartment. Yes. These are not rooms. They're not cabins. They're apartments. And so I think, like, there's 160 or so of them, I think. Like, it's – and so this is a massive boat with only that many apartments. So really, it's like living in an apartment block that just happens to float on the water. And I think when you think of it that way, it makes more sense, right? So even where we are now, (laughs) you don't bump into your neighbours all the time. No. Right? In fact, it's a bit rare to. Absolutely. And that's the case on the world. And I think that's what stood out for me as the difference. Unless you went and hunted and looked up the the resident directory online, you wouldn't even know who was living next to you. No. Your name, you would hardly see them. And, And I think a lot of people... I've been very lucky to have been on the world twice now for two separate adventures. And people keep saying to you, but what's the apartment like? What's the apartment like? Because they couldn't wrap their head around the things that you see on the P&O where you walk in and you can barely open the door and you've got to squeeze around. And so on this last trip, I actually took a couple of videos on my phone to show people this is a a normal apartment. There are two big bedrooms. There are three bathrooms. There's a big workable kitchen. There's a huge living space. And then... Then people go, oh, it is actually home away from home. Right. But people have their own furniture, their own design, their own artwork, the, you know, the photos on the mantelpiece. Yeah. Each apartment is completely different and done to the taste of the owner. Yes. So it's, so it's like from home. It's like a holiday home that you would otherwise have at the Absolutely. beach, pool, quarry or somewhere like that. It just exactly. happens to be floating around the world at any point. You would, might not know where it is. but exactly. <laughs> that's, that's right. And the, I mean, the sheer volume of places. So in my notes, and I think these are quite old in terms of the stats, 900 ports and over 140 countries. Like this is... This is seeing the world in a very thorough fashion. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was sheer, you know, kilometres covered. It's incredible the places it goes to. And what is even more amazing is that the routes that the world um, have for each year are put out two years in advance. So the residents vote and so we've got the schedule for 21 and 22 now and obviously 20, but we've already just voted on 22 and it's just been decided. And when you get the detailed row by row, day by day for 365 days, there is a key that shows that some of the ports they're visiting for the very first time. And it's hard to believe that there's actually ports left. Yeah. And look, I, you know, I've been a PA for a very, very long time and I've done travel as part of my jobs. Often, I can't even pronounce the names of the places that they're going to. I, even my boss, who was an extremely well-traveled man, I mean, it's, it's amazing where he's been. He and I often have to refer to Google. Yeah. Where is this place? Yeah. Is this north of Paris? Is it south of Paris? Like, where is it? Which country? And, and that's what's so amazing is that if you are someone that has traveled extensively, that, you know, this is a way to really get to the corners of right. the world that no one has heard of. Yeah. And no one has heard of. It sort of points out how big the world really is. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think absolutely. we get a bit flippant about that stuff these days, particularly the younger generations, because we're so used to being able to just get on a plane 
and off you are on the other side of the world. And that's great. You know, it's great that we can do that. But I think we are, you know, we think since we've been to London, New York, San Francisco and wherever, like, gee, we're well travelled. It's like, yeah, right. And that's normal and that's great. Yes, I, I would encourage absolutely. that. But there's so many places. I mean, and we'll get to where you and I went together because I got to come along. No. Trips. So exciting. Thank you. Um, you know, it's Iceland had never hit my radar. Not because we don't have a big list of places to go. It's just that for whatever reason it hadn't, um, and particularly the Faroe Islands. And now it's one of the first places I would tell people to go to. So it's just interesting how something like this can open up your eyes oh, to absolutely. so many things that you can either do or see. Mm. It's crazy. Now, in terms of <laughs> I thought we should we should talk through the boat itself before we get to the places we went and yes. you went yes. in that other you know in the other trip. The things that stood out about the boat and living on the boat that might surprise people. For me. Okay. <laughs> the deli. So, guys, so it, it, it's, it's an apartment block, Buddies. but, of course, you're out in the ocean, so you can't nick down to Starbucks or to 7-Eleven. So they have the equivalent of those things on the boat. Yes. Which right. is great. So there's a deli called Freddy's yes. and that has all sorts of stuff. And I'd imagine actually would end up having stuff leaning towards residents' preferences over time too, like if you're on the boat absolutely, for a while. Absolutely, absolutely. And also what's great is that... Um, when they go into particular ports, they often will go off and buy food and buy groceries that are unique to that area to bring right. them to sell, which is nice. Awesome. Which is nice. Awesome. Yeah. So you're on a boat or, or, or an environment where there's, this is not, you know, backpacking world. So this is people with, that are fairly wealthy. Absolutely. In fact, I'm probably understating that just a little. Yes. You are. Right. <laughs> um, so I was ready coming on board, despite the fact that I got to come with you, which was exciting. I had to pay for my affairs to get there. I was ready to go, okay, this could cost a fair bit food, right? It's like, well, it could be expensive, but you know, how bad could it be? So a Coke at Freddy's, do you know, do you remember how much it is? Because you oh, drink it's Diet Coke. Oh, 90 cents. Right. Um, and of course... Look, which is, I've never paid no, at a shop in my no, life. No, the for cheapest a Coke. I can find my Diet Coke, which I drink every single day of my life, is $3.50. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was incredible to, to note that they... I mean, obviously the world can buy things in bulk. And that's sure. what they do. And I was so shocked the first time when I actually asked the guy behind the counter, I'm like... I come from Sydney and this is how much it costs for Ben and Jerry's and Coles. It costs, I don't know, close to $11, $12 on the world at seven. Right. And he said, look, we buy things in bulk and we, we don't pass on the, that cost. Like we let, you know, we, we let people have the same the benefit of that. And, it, yeah. and it's just, it's just not worth it. And, and so, you know, if you really do want to eat in your apartment and you want to have all those treats, it's not going to break the bank. It's not. And I mean, that, that to me is interesting. Was, yeah, a, really a big shock. Because you're in it, you've got that captive market, just like when you go to a resort and it's like, well, you know, this is all there is, is these three right. restaurants. And, and that's when you get a VB in a Fiji resort that costs you $11. Yes. You know, which is horrifying and because Absolutely. it's really big. But, but that's always what happens. And the fact it didn't here actually, to me, highlighted the fact this is residency. Exactly. Like, I just think... Because if you're living on the world for 10 months right. you know, of the year, which um, I actually know some people that do live on the world for 10 months of the year, and and you are not going to pay $5 for a diet. No. Absolutely not. And neither should you. No. Um, but it was just an interesting nuance. I think also it helps... Like we've both been to the US a bit and, and they don't pay a lot for this sort of stuff no, generally. No. And the proportion, I'd hazard a guess. I mean, you can tell, but I reckon about three quarters American, would you say? Yes. About that. Yes. So I just don't think they cop it. 
for the first time I went abroad, yeah. I was there for two weeks. I spent five hundred US dollars on food just for me. That's it. Yeah, which is just mind blowing. It is, and it just it isn't what you'd expect at all. And no. and that sort of leads me to the second part, which was the kitchen, right? So I knew it was an apartment. I'd even seen some photos. Yes, shared. that's right. But I have to admit, it didn't assimilate to me that there'd be a proper kitchen. Like to somebody who cooks like I do, that's a real kitchen. That's not like the token bench. No, you know, like that's the, right. Where it's they sort like of a full, it's oven, a full a kitchen. Full stove, right? They have the knife rack. And right. It's all there. Now it's all adjusted so that things don't fall over when yes, it's obscene. It's very everything. hard to open the drawers. Very, as we learned. It's <laughs> <laughs> a physical challenge, folks. But we've actually just recently this month put proper handles on those. So ah, nice. Your it was right. It was just. Trying to ah, the can't open these. So we can fix that problem. Nice. Um, but what stood out too about, so, and we took advantage of the, the kitchen. I mean, not just for breakfast, we had a beautiful meal in Toshavan. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, before I tell this story, I want to apologize in advance to all <laughs> Icelandic and Faroe Island people because we're about to butcher all of their names. So we will try. It's but a very difficult language. I, and I'm not even gonna no chance. Like, like I've got more chance of speaking Lord of the Rings language than yes. I do this. This is tough. There's a lot of letters and no sense. To any right. Of them. And very few vowels. <laughs> <laughs> so we had gone to a beautiful restaurant in Toshavan that was that sort of traditional shoulder of lamb, slow roast. Was like, wasn't it? Incredible. It was absolutely fabulous. Really, really authentic. Locals. Right. The hideaway spot. And, and this, you found it. And you sort of little crawl in and, yes. and like it's got the low roof. Like it was really beautiful. But we had loads left. And so we ended up getting a takeaway bag. And that's another great thing about the world is that um, you can bring food on and Onto off. the ship. Um so that yet again, you're not forced just to have the food that is available there. So right. if you go to a local place and you decide you want to, you know, have the local specialty you can do that you can. they don't stop you exactly and that's another um because often you're not allowed to bring external stuff right oh okay i didn't know that okay that's so often on the ships I mean, that they control you know, it well that's right i mean right. We, we brought lamb I know, you know, we could have fish with a roasted Yes, exactly. It's like, yep, just scan that no ship. Problem. We're good. <laughs> and it was i mean to be able to do that you know the next night we had, or was it lunch? I can't remember. We, we had made a beautiful lunch right, a lamb us. salad yes. and with pomegranate and, and halloumi and all that sort of stuff. It just frees you up yes. and it lets you choose where you apply your dollars. And I think when you're traveling a place like that, so we're in, you know, cold, cold Iceland, all those sort of areas up there, the Nordic sort of areas right. are expensive. Just, I mean, I can generalize by saying they're just expensive. Absolutely. Even to Sydney siders. Oh, uh, sure. This is, Iceland this is knocks us for six. Yeah, and so you know if you go out there, it's going to hurt, even for the most basic sort of levels. Yeah. So to be out of balance that, we have a great meal. It wasn't cheap, but it was yummy. But then, okay, it's all right. Next day, you know, we can use it for something. Like, it, that makes a difference to me when you can do Oh, that. absolutely. And the other thing that was interesting that I had an experience the first time, because the first time my brother and I didn't really cook, but the second trip, um, uh, our other friend that was with us, she wanted to whip up this particular meal, um, why not let's mm. cook in and, mm. and, and take our time and she was happy to do that and we went down to Freddie's Deli and there was a, there was a bunch of things that they just didn't have right Be- you know and but the guy behind the camera said give us your list give us all the list of all the ingredients that you need and I will have them ready here at four o'clock so he'd actually gone around to the kitchens of the various restaurants and collected the fresh pasta and the fresh basil and the pine nuts and and then we came back and it was, and it was how incredible is that? and I had never known that that was a possibility but no. he was like yep just let us know what you need and we'll go and get it isn't that incredible and I guess that's the difference here like it it's a service environment really and they is. are there to make life easy, but low key, which I liked. It was, they weren't sort of in your, in your face a lot. It was very low key, but when you needed help, they were right there. Yes. Um, and it, I mean, we, 
that we need to get just quickly cover off the restaurants because we may have done a low key version of this trip, but we could have taken our ball gowns should we choose to. Absolutely, and and, and in some there's one restaurant where called Fortress where it's absolutely suit and tie and it's the high end, and so you can be as casual or as dressed up as you like, and there are, there are dress codes, but. It's actually pretty relaxed. Yeah. And it's not that difficult to adhere to. As long as you don't have holes in your jeans. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Right. So and we can all do that for one trip, right? Well, that's the other thing that was interesting to me is is because it's a residence, then also any normal, in, and when, like we said, no Broadway shows, no casinos, but any normal sort of entertainment stuff that you'd expect around a place you live, they had. So they had a huge library. They had a huge DVD selection. They have it like, so right. all of those movies. things are there, so right? The movies night, they show. In the theatre, they have a, a movie that tends to be sort of, you know, Fairly latest recent. latest release yeah. um, that you could go to and actually sit, you could watch it in your room on the extensive library in your room on screen. <laughs> yeah. Or you could go down to the big theatre and have that experience. And yeah. the other thing, to me that is completely unique about this is that they um, put a huge effort into a program of lecturers. Yes. And that is my way because often, amazing. you know, you're going to these places that you've never heard of, you don't know what to expect and, you know, you might have a sea day or an afternoon free and they will bring in specialists of every level, every kind. The professor of. Like oh, this the is... professor of, that's right. They're the geologist, the, you know, the human rights, right. the um, climate change person, you know, and it's amazing because it prepares you for what you're to see it's very interactive and they do a great job of that that is something that is unique to the world to make your experiences even more special and i think it sparks your curiosity so i think it does so people like you and i particularly you i'd say are heavy researchers mm. right we're the ones that really want to dig into things but you run out of time it's hard to do we can't yes. all read the whole lonely planet guide before we no, travel absolutely they put on the night so so guys so you understand we might be heading to iceland in a few days for the few days prior there's things on at night telling you about what you're about to see yes giving you time to then go Ooh, i'm really curious about that right? so it's, go, i need to add that to my list and i didn't even know about exactly it was the icelandic expert or the fa- i can't remember which one it was and he was like he's literally a professor in his in his art and he was giving us the history economically yes. of iceland like this was not this was not about he's this pretty you know Eiffel Tower equivalent for Paris. This was historical turmoil and and things they've gone through as a country. They touched on the GFC. They touched on, but in a great storytelling and fun way. It was really well done. That's right. And that that is, to me, I've never seen it before on a show. No. Um, And it really enhances. And also don't forget that, you know, your typical residence is, you know, of retirement age. Right. They have been generally very successful in their careers. These people are well-educated and this is what they've come to expect and what they want. The thing I had, and there's now there's some, some physical things about staying on the, on the world that some of you who've been on cruises will know. Um, I didn't having never done this before. <laughs> um, one was I had a little giggle to myself. So you get on the boat and it's, it's clear with the people you were in, interact with, like Ellen said, that they're a bit older. So when I went in to have a shower and you see the big bar, you know, like, and you're like, okay, that makes sense, right? <laughs> and I was, I have to admit, I, you know, there was a bit of ages in there for me. Oh, bless. You yes, know, there's the bar. Until I mean. we were at sea and I tried to have a shower and I'm like, oh no, this is not just. Yeah. <laughs> so this I'm washing my hair and exactly in the boat's rocking. I'm like, thank goodness for the big bar. That's like what I've ended up, you know, soapy hair flying out the door of the Absolutely. shower. Um, so that was a new thing for me um and i guess the other thing that never occurred to me that's sort of blindingly obvious like most of the cruises you go on are like i don't know sydney new mia or 
or Melbourne or whatever, you know, so yes. they, but they do that circle where they're just constantly doing that. It's Whereas, it's right. Like, and it just keeps on doing it. Well. Yes. Mm. Whereas this is traveling the world all the time. So if you want to get on it, you've got to go to it. That's right. Which is different. And and, and the exciting thing too, and this is what's really different, is they do expeditions. Right. And this is a really big thing about the world because you can sign up to do an expedition and they run between a week and four weeks. And once you get on, you're on. Right. Because the expeditions tend to be in very far-flung places. Right. Just this year they did the Northwest Passage um, for four weeks and, you know, you had to get on in Nuke, Greenland and you had to get off in Nome, Alaska. Right. Again, Google, you know, and so, and that's it. And then you're on for the four weeks and it's an incredible immersive experience. Mm. But I think for me in my role, what's been amazing is like I've had to suddenly not only understand where all these places are, but how to get to them. Right. Um, But you can hop on and hop off as often and as frequently as you like, and you can do as little or as as much as you want. And that's really flexible, but you do have to get there. So if you you look through the schedule of the 365 days and go, I really want to do that bit, I really... The first trip I did was to Svalbard. Most people don't know how to spell it, say it, or even know where it is. <laughs> and um, I, I had heard of Svalbard. It belongs to Norway. It's far, far, far north of Norway. Yes. It's well into the Arctic Circle. And I had to get to Tromso, you know. So <laughs> from Sydney, I had to get to Tromso. Several flights, three flights in, you know, in one go, and then we got there. But that's absolutely right. right. You have to find a way to, to get to these. To it, yeah. And... And that, I mean, our, so the first, we're going on this wonderful trip and the first part of the trip is 35 hours of yes. travelling. And, and oh, look, we're from Australia, so that's something. We're used to it. Right. We're but even for me, travel. that's got to be my, the top of my, like, that's got to be the full length of it I think I've ever done before. Yes. yes. It was a bit of a test of endurance too, right? So Sydney, Singapore. Copenhagen, then Faroe Faro Islands. After some very, very long extended, you know, layover. Right. In Copenhagen. Absolutely. So long, in fact, and, and I would consider myself fairly well travelled. I nearly managed to leave my passport wallet <laughs> in the cab at the end. I was we were so tired and so useless. Yes, I think I that function. Peter, I think you might need that, this. That bright orange <laughs> thing on the floor <laughs> there. Right. You, you, that. On, you know, <laughs> urgent, <laughs> a, a frenetic way not to scare you. <laughs> your mind. But yes, it's full you on. This. Mm, and I think that if you weren't living on it, I think that's the thing. Like you say, you need a person like you to coordinate that because that's a lot of time yes. to invest. Yes. And to now, where you end up is glorious. But wow, you've got to, get you've got to be willing to do that. And, yeah. And yeah, that's right, absolutely. And, it, and and sometimes you have to actually um, work backwards. So I really, really want to do. Iceland, but in order to get to Iceland, the way that the schedule is, I've actually got to start earlier, so I've got to go mm. to Faroe first, or whatever it might right. be. And so um, I had never heard of the Faroe Islands no. at all, and they belong to Denmark, and um, you fly there direct from Copenhagen. And it was like, well, we've got to go there for three days so that we can get to Iceland and Greenland, right. and it turned out to be virtually the highlight right and that's what's so special you you don't expect it and you come across these places and it just blows your way and that's what went so lots of people have asked me as i'm sure they have you after the holiday you look what would you recommend what would you do and and oh surely you'd go back to Reykjavik say in iceland i'm like 100 percent. but the place i would tell you to go first is faroe islands it was 
like the English language really doesn't do this. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I had a friend who I showed my photos of the Faroe Islands that part of the trip and she was, I need to go there. This looks absolutely magical. I said, it is, it is. Even as we flew in. So we flew in from, so it was Copenhagen to Tushaven. That's right. And was that was sort of a little flight, right? So that was a little little one like you might do in Land Australia. Which is lovely because you can see out the windows. Exactly. And so we're literally flying over them. Mm. Um, and it looked like land where you expected a Viking marauder to come traveling around the corner. Like it really, it's rich and green, but it's quite, um, not a lot of trees. No, you know, and and sheep than anything else. Right. Then certainly than people. Yes. Um, and in fact, anywhere when, when I had a look, um, like the furthest you can get from water is five kilometers. Yes. So these are like everything around you with cliff face or or cold it's water. So you know? <laughs> it is. Like it's every movie down. ever should be set there. Like I it's know, so glorious. You know, I've been to Norway a couple of times and you know, people equate really sheer cliffs with Norway. Right. Uh, this Pharaoh blew that away. Yeah. I've never seen such sheer cliffs. The magnitude, you just felt so small and insane. I know. <laughs> Right. Compared to everything around you. And then the one road, you know, the one single road around all of right, you know, around around the, the coast. Islands. And then, you know, there's a bridge and a lot of them are tunnels. And then here you are, you pop out. And, um, and so the it's tunnels, really unspoiled as well. And that's the thing that I think we don't realise we don't have. So mm. I'm, I'm sorry, in a central Australia we do, but none of that's green. No. So it's a different look. But to have a place where we were the only people in that area at that point in time. You know, so we brought humans with us. Yeah, that's right. from that. we, we, we tripled was, the size of the village. Right. It was for just, what, you know, for an hour. We just incredible. Village, you know? People are living in these isolated communities with family groups. Right. Um, living off the land and, um, and living this amazing isolated existence that could be happier. Yeah. And it's, so for, if, if you haven't Googled it already, then the Faroe Islands, F-A-R-O-E, yeah, that took me a while, I kept on putting two R's, um, it's sort of, if you go from the top of the UK, so Scotland and sort of head north, yes. they're sort of there, and then Iceland is sort of more northwest of them, you know, that's so that's right. sort of the location. Yes. Yeah? And so cold. Yeah. Like just assume cold. Yeah, pretty cold. Um, but very green. Lush. Really lush. Really, really lush. Lots of lawn mowing would need to go there yeah, if there was more people living there. Okay. <laughs> like, well, that's right. I guess that's yeah, what the sheep, the sheep are for. Correct. And they Correct. do the salmon farming. Yes. How, yes. Okay. Oh, well, that's a story in itself. It is, yeah. isn't it? The salmon farming. So they've got wild salmon, clearly, and everybody's yeah. all obsessed, but they've also got their farmed salmon. Um, but it's sort of... When they say farmed, I guess that's because there's nets because it's in well, the middle right. of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, and if you turn left or turn right out of that channel of water, you're in the ocean. Right. It's, so yeah. it's sort of it feels fairly wild to it me. It does. Right. So there were sort of these. All you could see is you were so you'd be driving along and you're looking down the cliff and you'd sort of see circles, right? Wouldn't you? So these circle of that's, that's what right. we worked out were nets. Yes. And then also, I guess a bit of splashing inside that's right, the net, as if right? we're just swimming round and round and making movements. Exactly. Yeah. So and. As we flew in, actually, I noticed those things and didn't realise at the time what they were. But um, I can't remember which guide it was that told us. But what they do is for the last month of those farmed salmon's lives, they stop feeding them. And the reason is so that they slim down to look like wild salmon. <laughs> we're all just seem like, fat shaming? <laughs> what? Remotest part of the world, uh, uh, like Faroe Islands, they're still bought into that. Right. They're still bought into that <laughs> chain. 
we all the time yeah. what the yeah. I'm talking about. Wasn't it? Really. But I love the idea that even their farmed environment is so wild. Oh, absolutely. And their their sheep are the same. I mean, this is they're just sort of wandering around. Oh, I mean, it's just stop the car to let them cross the road. Right. And they're literally everywhere. And and they're all different colours. They're kind of shaggy. They look wild. Yes. They actually look wild. They, they look do. unkempt. Yes. And kind of crazy. They do. And multicoloured. And right. it's not the sheep that we think about when we think of flocks of sheep that were, you know, they pretty much all look the same. They're yeah, you know, correct. Not at all. These crazy wild sheep to go with a crazy wild environment in the middle of Correct. And so the islands, like you said, there's about 18 islands, but there's a few big ones. That's right. And there's about 50,000 people, but as you pointed out, like 70,000 sheep. Yeah. Um, and of which we ate on a delicious evening. Oh, didn't we? <laughs> it's really good lamb. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny, as Australians, we're so used to travelling and the thing they don't have on a menu is lamb. So aside yes, from New Zealand, is, and I actually find I crave it. By the time I come Europe, back. It's hard to right. And so to go to a place where it's on more menus than it would be here, yeah. they're like, <laughs> bound to be fantastic and of so course good. i not only ate the lamb i brought it home yeah. and purchased an amazing rug for the floor um with yes. one of my shaggy sheep and this one was in pretty good nick and it looks amazing i just could but not that was from it. a little that was from a little this it was, was a very small village and it was a, a gift shop you know if, if you're a shopper and you heard you hear the word gift shop I mean, yeah. you eat faster to get there right to make the time and sacrifice you said because you don't want to miss out before you have to keep going with the group and I went down to the gift shop because I'm one of those people and um it was you know as big as my dining room table with this lovely young guy yeah. and they had these you know these rugs just flung over the rack and I'm like and I'm flicking through and I'm flicking through and of course because they're so common over there yeah I mean, the price was yeah, just really, really, and the colouring is unusual. I mean, the browns and and, and the, 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 the wool is really long. It's, mm. it's it's really really long, and um, and of course it doesn't shed. You know, no. which is great. So I've got it now in my apartment in <laughs> freshwater in Sydney. Helen does have a bit of a thing with dead animals, I so dead animals. it is something she's likely to buy. So that became a bit of a joke as we travel yeah. around. And I actually rolled that thing up like a cigar and put it in my suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> People were looking at me like, how are you going to get that home? Just watch me. Correct. If anybody's <laughs> going to, I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this home. It's um, the other thing that I was really impressed with. So this is, I mean, they really are small islands. And 50,000 people is not a lot of people. But I guess through the connection with Denmark, with funding, the tunnels they've got between those islands mean you can do a driving holiday yes. throughout those islands. So if you're into driving, hiking holidays, it's I'm not sure there's a better place in the world. No. No. It, it would be incredible. There's certainly no traffic to continue. No. And although the roads And are not many windy, cabs as it turned out. No, although the roads are windy, they tend to be on a precipice. Yeah. It's not unsafe driving. No. And we, we did see the, you know, quite a few um, people with rental cars. Yeah. Um, and you could absolutely go there and do this yourself. Yes. It is not prohibitive in that way just because it's isolated. Correct. You could rock up, you could, you know, stay in a whole bunch of... And just the day trips. You could raise oh, yourself and just do the day trips and absolutely. Um, keep yourself busy easily for a week. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the things we did on the Faroe Islands so was a hike. Now, I have yes. been and into this, little walks. This was a really, really big day for you. Mm, it was. And because you had prepared well. Well, yes. So I do want to do a call out for the lovely ladies at a blog called Escaping Your Comfort Zone. So... If you were to describe, if you saw Helen and I, then Helen is the life hiking person <laughs> and I am the not that. <laughs> well, I have been 
been doing it for a long, long time. Correct. An entire wardrobe that gets whipped out when the red You had given me some suggestions about, hey, you know, I want this and this and this and you know, get boots and stuff, which I did. But one of the challenges is, particularly in Australia, this is the case, is that the normal brands just don't have bigger sizes. Yeah. And when I'm saying bigger, 14 is a stretch at some of those. So yes. anything over that, there's no chance. Luckily, the ladies at Escaping Your Comfort Zone have written some blogs about that and so pointed me to different places to get some other gear. And I'm so glad, A, you'd given me a list and B, that I checked them out because it made a massive it difference. It does. We did. They, they are purposeful clothing and people right. and stuff. If you try and hike in a pair of jeans, good luck. It or would be her. sneakers with no grip. Right. Or t-shirts that are made of cotton that just get sweaty and smell and stick to you. Oh. Like there's a reason why this technology 100%. exists. A hundred percent. So we were in a, it was cool. It, was it wasn't cool. freezing, but it was cool. It was. It was drizzly. Yes. Um, I was wearing brand new boots. I had worn them once in a day to work yeah. because I knew I needed to wear them at some point, but hadn't been that organized. Um, and had, uh, I guess you'd call it quick dry long yes. pants. Yes. Um, and then a top and, and a jacket that was sort of like a, a not full wet weather crazy. Well, it's a waterproof. Waterproof, it's exactly. A waterproof. And then, you know, the layers that people need to wear on the top is like the merino wool. Exactly. Yes. And other, it keeps exactly. you warm, but it breathes. Exactly. It breathes. But what was interesting is that, so that first day, that was 11 kilometres, I think we did. Mm -hmm. And not a blister did I get. And it, even when we did, even when we got, when it did drizzle a bit, you dry so quickly. That's like right. I was never uncomfortable, no. which is sort of unheard of you know i mean when you're doing something like that for the first time i was ready to be completely miserable just figuring that's what you need to do and then you've got to get back on the bus right <laughs> exactly like oh gross and you cannot wait to take everything off and, and it's not like that so no one of the right stuff and it makes all the difference and it's not something that you then even notice as part of your experience no exactly exactly and it did make you know there was some tricks there that i'll include some links to in the show notes um the pants i ended up buying had a hinge in the knee that made a huge difference yes. it was sort of climbing over a few things and yes. stuff like that and the ladies had mentioned that in the post like just stuff like that um you'd mentioned a few little tips for me as well and i think if you're going to do something, I don't call that extreme, but it's just not wandering around Venice. No, or no, like it's, that's right. If it you're going to do that, do it properly. Jeans, but if you get the right jacket and even if you get the right socks, right. icebreaker, cannot recommend them <laughs> Um But then you you're done. You have this stuff forever and it's done. Correct. And, and, and that never becomes a barrier. Right, and or yeah. something that makes it un, uh, like unpleasant. That's right. You know, and I think, I mean, it's funny because when you think about when visitors come to Australia, like we would roll our eyes at somebody who heads out onto the you know to the beach you know for the day that doesn't have a hat sunscreen water like so like we would right we yeah. would roll our eyes and yet you know a number of us would travel over other places and do something like this with i mean there were i think there was somebody in our hike who had jeans on i'm like that it's the chafing done. alone are you serious yes, that yes. cannot and be also comfortable when um, that gets wet oh it's heavy oh it's really really heavy oh, and you're dragging it around like just no. just so uncomfortable Absolutely. so yeah that was a that was an interesting lesson for me. Um, and I have Well, it's about being prepared, right? It's actually it about being prepared. And, and you know, you can go, oh, I'll just swing it. It'll be fine. It's very rarely just fine in those situations. And, it, it, <laughs> and you know, then there's regret. And right. And wants regret on holidays. And this isn't an hour. No. Right, this no. was basically the day. So this is a day through in a, in a, you know, covering a lot of land. And there was this little hint of something from one of the guides on this trip that sort of led into Iceland for me. And I didn't know this about this area of the world. So we were sitting there at the end, we were not sorry, halfway. So we, we'd walked out on the hike. We were sitting on a cliff That's right. looking out over the water. It was glorious. Um, 
and like there was nothing between us and that cliff, you know, no, so that I was think, quite interesting. That's the thing when you go to these They're very relaxed places. about that. Yeah. Right. There's no safety rails. No. There's no. no safety rails. There's no sign saying, you know, beware of slippery rocks. Right. You are on your own. And what was cool, so there was a family that we met who were lovely from America that we were yes. chatting to on the tour, and they had um, their little girl with them who, uh, 11? Possibly. About. Ish. Something between Ish. 9 and 12. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. And we we're all sitting there having a little lunch on the cliff face. And she says to him quite innocently to one of the guides, hey, are there any special animals in this water? You know, because we're in a place where we know at some point we're going to see puffins and What's maybe not whales? that day and whales and everything. So she just innocently asked it, you know, are there any special animals, you know, in the water? And with a completely straight face, he immediately replied with, well, Mermaids, of course, but they only come out during a fog. <laughs> and and just getting, kept on eating his sandwich. And it was this little hint of something that's cultural over there with the supernatural and elves and trolls and all oh, that sort of stuff. Right. And that's he thought right. nothing. It was a bit like the keeping Santa alive for the kids thing. Yes. Like this was, he just reacted as I think they would expect anybody to react to that way to a child. It was awesome. It really was. And, um, you know, these people can be, you know, they're living a tough life, they're farming, or, you know, it's some of it's, it's quite serious to live right. like that, but they have these fantasy, you know, these fantastical ideas about, about the, and they cling on to it. And it's something that even through the generations, it hasn't died out. Right. And it's that's what's interesting. It's still so alive magical. in the world, world today. And we, you know, at first for me personally, I was like, oh, this is a bit silly. <laughs> but I'm like, so what? It's Correct. Awesome. It's okay to be silly. And, you know, this is something that they've chosen to you know, very much keep alive in their culture. And, yeah. you know, what's wrong with that? Absolutely. So the next, I'm going to say next day, but you guys, you need to be a bit relaxed about that. I'm going to get the days wrong. But one of the places we went to that I'm also going to butcher is Haymay. Hey, do you think that's how they said it, the island? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 yes, it's actually a very long word. And it's the island of the southmost south of Iceland. Of Iceland, yes. So this so, is so we've moved from the Faroe Islands, which are their own. And we had sort a sea of day in between. We did, which was lovely. Yeah, we had a sea day just to recover from the first three frenetic days and digest everything we saw. Oh, and something happened on the sea day actually that I want to share because it was an expression I plan to use going forward. So when just as we yes. departed from the Faroe Islands to Shaban, it started to drizzle heavily. So it was sort of it wasn't pouring, but it was not just pitter patter yeah you know, was right. that so and it, and it the fog gray. the gray yeah the gray right. and the yeah. fog and all that sort of thing and we were told that the icelanders call that glugavida i think they say they call it window weather yes which is weather that's beautiful to look at but awful to be in yeah like how cool is that expression well that's right and in places like that you know where the weather is so changeable um, you certainly need the same. Right. And now I th there's a lot of places you've gone, I reckon they'd say that too. So there'd be these yes, really Alaska. beautiful, Alaska. cold, right. Norway. Isn't that glorious as long as there's some very thick glass yeah. between me <laughs> and I mean, that. I mean, I'm all cosy on the inside of my exactly. and my animal rug. Um, exactly. Yeah. I love the window weather concept. There's something magical about their weather. Yeah, there is. And weren't we so lucky because really that we don't want people to think that that was what the weather was like. We no. had amazing weather in Fair Islands and everyone was like, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. And you think to yourself, oh, they're just saying that. <laughs> we really actually were. We and, were. Um, but there is something magical about that weather, when you, especially when you're not used to it. Definitely. Yeah, it's not. It's uh, a cozy. It's not tropical. No. It's not a very different feel. Yeah, almost yeah. eerie. Yes. 
Yes, and and in fact, that's on that hike. I had a I had a glimpse, sort of all like the moors in England. It has that same Very feel. Much so the misty, mm. you know, obviously there was lots of sheep as well. Mr. Darcy could have been there. That's right. like it did have that feel. It did. It yeah. Very much did. What's going to be around the corner? Um, as opposed, to exploration. it is. And so that so that was really green. And then to see, hey, my, the, the island, yes, south of Iceland, that's basically. A volcano. That's right. It was their big volcano, volcanic eruption that, you know, um, actually grew the islands right. a substantial amount from the landmass, and the town actually survived, which was incredible. Um, a few hundred houses were were buried. Some were uh, found, dug up, and, and restored. But basically, not a single person died in this. I think there was a heart attack, wasn't there? I think that was yeah, the that only was thing. It. It was which and so when we talk about an, an island. It'd be fair to say it's sort of it is the volcano. It now is it's the volcano. it looks like an island, but you can see. So the eruption I think was 1973, the one that's that right. the original one, and but it looks like an island. There's just that there's section. There's a lot of lava. That's right. Uh, exactly. And, and it's 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 done not it's only black, right? That ready colour. It was sort of Mad Maxy a bit. That was that Can't surprised me. Yes, gravelly, it was. Slippery, yeah, you guys slippery. did that walk up. We a bit did. further that I didn't do. I'm yes. glad I didn't because I would imagine the traction would be hard. It was that. it was hard and um, a bit like a sand hill. Exactly, it's like mm. walking in, in you know gravelly quicksand. And, uh, and so this was a, um, this is a tiny little island and one of the few um, habitable ones in that area. And with this, what happened though, which was really fascinating, was when the when this did erupt again back in '73, the concern they had was. The fact that they had a bay, they were going to lose their harbour, right? Because it was going to close over. Because right. the, you know, the only that's their business. This was a fishing town. This is a fishing right. town, you know. And so they're doing everything possible. You know, yes, they're worrying about the people and death and destruction from massive flowing lava. But okay, we need to redirect it somehow yeah. to stop it blocking off the harbour. And so to have the entire community just focused on that because otherwise they'd have to move off the island well, that's right. you've got generations of people that have lived there you know it was it was such an interesting place there was a beach there i've got this photo and it you can't actually tell what it is but you know a black beach yes grass on the edge and there's this little white thing in the photo and it's this guy skinny dipping <laughs> so he's white like white like moon white oh, no. right yes. and he's on the black beach with it it was it was a really interesting environment because i think if you showed me a painting of that place you wouldn't believe it was real no it, it's just, it it's sort of didn't fit surreal. almost because and of the exactly. the lava and everything it just it was all a bit odd yeah. you know whereas i have imagery we've probably all seen from say places like hawaii where you've got all the green and then the, the lava all goes through it. But it, this is this, I mean, this sort of um, island doesn't really have any tree, like many trees or no, anything. So no, it's no, literally it's just, just the lava. Yeah. You know, it was so much. in and around. Right. Lava. I, mm, I don't think I could do that. No, look, it was, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. It was sort of our entry point to Iceland. It, it was an interesting place, of course. And, you know, Iceland is very volcanic. Mm, generally yeah, that's right so this was like a wow intense volcanic island but um it probably yeah i don't think i could have been one of those people that live there and they've got mm. a um <laughs> their fish industry is alive and well but 
but what they do is they have a factory right on the edge of the harbour where they burn the fish. Yeah. They basically melt the fish because yeah. they take what they want from it and then you've got all the rest of it. They're not going to feed all of that to the birds. And so they melt it. And The um, smell was quite... The smell was something, something I have never experienced in my life before. Had a burn. You know when a smell is so strong it burns the nostrils? You want to like go back like, and wash all your clothes. Yes. <laughs> And trying and hair. your skin and skin and <laughs> it was really intense and, and of course, really pungent. You know when you've never ever experienced that, it's so shocking. Yeah. And yet the people, you know, the the guide uh, that I had on my walking tour, he was like, I love that smell. <laughs> I can't even see it. I can't even smell it anymore. So he says, like, and we were all. <laughs> Well, they were. They wanted to give us this lovely afternoon tea and sit outside. Like, cannot eat with this. Yeah. So they relocated us to an indoor, um, an indoor area. And, uh, Interestingly, though, so this is a tiny little island, but um, you guys experienced that getting quite close to it. Yes. It was only if you were within wind. We, no, we walked past it twice right. to get to some of the things we were looking at. Um, so that was, you know, we didn't have the same experience yeah we on a hill and we're looking for puffins and yes um but no we were we were in the thick of it and it it was just one of those things well this this is their livelihood right this is what they do and this is what they have to do to deal with the the products that they're basically exactly producing and yeah and i think it it um anytime you see something like that where there's a, this whole community relying on one or two industries mm. like that it sort of re reminds me of how tough it is like australian farmers yeah. these people that we rely on that that are sort of Quiet, quietly achieving and, and producing um, and how whole communities can rely on that, you know, and it's it's um, With, both uh, wonderful and... and no right. There and so no I think it would be wonderful to be a part of that, but it's so risky in that if that goes wrong, you know, I mean, if that right. volcano, if that lava had crossed, they'd be done. They'd all have to move off the island. You know, it's... it's um, and I guess clever that they've managed to create a tourism market for themselves so they've really and i don't know that that's that i think it's pretty young for them oh yes absolutely and um just to diversify the income of yeah, the town that's like if that's clever they i mean this is wonderful volcano museum didn't they? That volcano. like and the places the place is about six street wide and four street long but yeah. they had a volcano museum yeah, there it was, it was well done it was modern and well done and um you know, really interesting that's their new thing now this is what happened to us and we survived and it, you know, it was audio, it was video. It, you could walk through a building that had been destroyed. Yes. Like it's, they, they did it really beautifully to their credit. Kind of left it in its best state. And it um, would not have been cheap. Like I, I really credit a local community that's mm. clever enough to go. Look, we're going to put some local, I guess, tax dollars yes. into doing this. Yes. But it will hold us in good stead. And boats of people like the world yes. will bring a whole lot of people. They'll pay entry. They'll come and take a look. They'll learn something. I mean, it's really clever. I thought that was really well mm. done. So when you guys did your uh, vicarious walking on lava and, and smelling of fish, <laughs> yes. I went off on a puffin tour. So the first thing I say, puffins are real. I say that because I didn't necessarily believe that. Having seen photos of a puffin, I was convinced it was a Disney character. It's well, just, they do have that very, very cute, right? look. Don't they? Very and rounded yes, beak and, and small. But tiny. So Cute and small. Yes. And so I'm like, yeah, you guys are saying these are real. But they sort of look, every photo I've seen, I'm like, it looks touched up. Like they are that sort of silly looking. That's right. But I think like, this is the thing you've got to do. I've got to go and see puffins. And this was another thing that stood out about the difference over there to other places in the world, say here or in the States. So, you know, it's the puffins sort of live in the cliffs, really. They do. 
and cliffs, but also sort of steep hills, grass hills. And so you climb those grass hills to yes, see puffins. Yes, you go to them. Yes. You go to them. Um, Deathifying yes. as that may seem. Yes. Just don't lean over it too far. Yeah. So, so to give you a, right. So to give you a feel for how steep it was, the you had to dig your heels into the grass. Sort of. So you're sort of basically almost lying on the hill. I wasn't upright fully. I reckon I was probably 45 degrees. Yeah. I had to dig my heels in not to slowly slide down the hill. And it, the hill went to a point and then it became cliff. That's right. And there was no bars. There no, was no walkway. No, it was no, hysterical. Warning signs. And even funnier, because I was on a trip that came from the world, then there was a number of people on that who were not particularly mobile. That's right. Who were also trying to climb this grassy <laughs> hill <dead>. like goats. <laughs> It was amazing. And what was even funnier was like these puffins are tiny, they're fast. I know they have an incredible um, flapping rate. Yes. It's something crazy per minute. You Correct. Can't see their Correct. Hence, photos not so good. No, you need to have a sports camera. Yep. You have to have a sports camera yes. to capture these. Luckily, one of the lovely ladies that we met with the say, actually, the mother of the young girl we spoke about before had a really good camera um and in fact if you were if you were going to live on the world that's the thing i'd probably buy is a really good camera that's right you need to capture this stuff yeah it actually becomes so fun and it um, does enhances your experience it really does and so she took some great photos close up of the puffins because you weren't very close so they told you that's what that was but to be honest only at one point was I close enough to really even discern the colouring, you know. But she took some fabulous photos and then shared them from her phone to, to which ours, so which nice. was amazing, wasn't it? Really lovely. But so I, there was some something that they said, though, that was really interesting. So there was a lovely guy that was sort of the local caring for the puffins sort of guy. Um, and what, what was funny about it, he said, oh, so see those puffins over there? They're quite young. You know, they're the babies. Those, you know, they're 30. They're considered on their way out. I'm like, <laughs> Really? <laughs> here, yeah. here we are in our 40s and 30 is archaic for a puffin. But what's nice is that while that's, you know, they're considered old birds, nature sort of has their backs. So puffins, as they get older, get better looking. Would I you know. believe? That's a win. Right. So Balance I have out. to say nature has clearly cared for them more than us. Yes. So yes. The, the way it does that is through their colouring. So their colouring gets richer and richer mm -hmm. as they get older. I'm like, that is so cool. That really is quite amazing. Yeah. Better than getting more wrinkly and losing right? feathers. Right. We're in the wrong league. Yeah. But the so, reason why, you know, the puffin is, is, is the bird to look out for is because the greatest puffin population in the world is nice. Yeah. And they have puffins in Alaska. I, okay. I, I have seen puffins in Alaska, um, but they look slightly different. Their 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 beaks are different. And when I went to Svalbard, we saw puffins. Okay. And again, there's about three or four. Varieties. Like penguins, right? They can yeah, all be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But they have their beaks are slightly different. But Iceland is the place. Right. Okay. So yes, you have to climb and crawl up a cliff and have a really expensive camera. But <laughs> and look, it was. It was lovely and it was interesting. What I did like. Well, it's actually, authentic. It is. So you're the in their environment. That's the thing, is that, that you are having authentic experiences, yeah. even if it means that it feels a bit unsafe. A bit unsafe. Um, you push yeah. it to the edge, but they're authentic. Exactly. So the island, then we had another overnight at sea because that's when we ended up at Reykjavik that's the right. next day. Um, and Reykjavik, okay, so I think most people will have heard of Reykjavik. 
but I didn't have a mental picture for it. You know how there's cities where you've sort of got a vision of what it's like. That's right. I didn't particularly. It was far more picturesque than I. And very cosmopolitan. Right. Uh, I mean, I had, unlike, you know, Peter, you just said that the episode earlier that um, Iceland wasn't on your radar. Iceland has been on my radar for about six years. So right. I was desperate to go there. And it was getting to the point where I felt that I was going to, not so much miss my boat, but it had become, you know, quite a, a tourist destination. Because yeah. what's happening is that everyone is, that well, you know, a lot of people who, who've, you know, prioritise travel in their life, you know, they're, they're getting to some of these places mm. and they've, you know, they're starting to tick off, you know, I've been to Estonia and I've been to Norway and I've been right. to, where else can I go? And so Iceland has been one of those places that has popped up in the last, I would say, six, seven years where people are now going. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the only thing you'd ever heard of it at the beginning was that no one could have, it was so expensive, you know, you, you were going to get a real shock. And that is definitely the case. But what a modern, oh. beautiful city. I mean, I, we had, uh, you know, a whole day there and I, I, I would go back for a week, absolutely. And, you know, the architecture and obviously we were there in summer, the beautiful flowers up and down the street oh. and even some of their older buildings. Yes, you know, the old town was gorgeous. Yeah, so pretty. Looked after. And the and beautiful colouring. So, it's a, yeah, it was really, it's, so it's one of those, so Iceland is considered, um, number one safest place in the world to live. Yes. And that stands out oh, as absolutely. you're walking around. Like there wasn't a hint as a tourist, you'd become hyper aware. Like you just yeah. sort of just for safety, you want, you know, yeah. and it, it, it just didn't even hit my radar the whole time we were there. There wasn't no, a no, corner no, we no. turned or a, no. like it. There was the, no warning, you know, don't go down the street. No, right. There was none of that. No, not at all. And, and it was, like I mean, it was really quaint. One of the things that, I loved about it being a complete book nerd is they have a, a culture about stories and books that's sort of unlike anything I've ever sort of come across before. I would really expect in right. a modern right. environment. And, yeah, I mean, why? People. You know, yeah. what, what about that? And so, How did that happen? Exactly. So supposedly it comes from their sagas. So this is the original Viking marauders that landed there and sort of populated it. And it came out in really interesting ways. Mm -hmm. So... Bookshops open till 10 p.m. at night in town. Imagine in Sydney, there's right. one bookshop that you can even go to that still exists. Right. So there's little plaques on benches yeah. that are a QR code. You can download the first chapter of a book and start reading it. Mm. Like to me, this is amazing. Like it's just, and it, it permeates everything. Imagine what it does for the literacy rate, which I believe is 100%. Mm. They just don't have illiteracy don't have at all. Issue, right? They don't have that issue. And not exposed to reading. Exactly. Um, and the thing I loved that I'm actually thinking about doing is they have something, oh, I'm going to get this. Okay. I'm going to give the word a try. <laughs> uh, Jola Bokaflod, which translates as the Christmas book flood. So their tradition, one of their traditions for Christmas is on Christmas Eve, everybody gifts each other's books and you all read them that evening. I'm like, how and awesome. And bringing that tradition and that right. learning and that habit through gen right. generations. So the first gift gonna die a young child will give or get given it's is a book. book. It's like, just amazing. Isn't it? And it's so that really, I thought that was really magical. Um, and it. And again, it goes to their whole culture. Right. Fantastical and magical. Exactly. So one of the spots we ended up going to, and we won't be able to cover them all, but was the, we did a tour that was the Golden Circle. And one of the things on the Golden Circle is the only place above sea level where the American and European tectonic plates, yes. so, you know, those things that rub against each other, normally under the ocean or 
or at land, but this is the, the only one above sea level in the world where it's actually separating so that, you know, it's there's sort of... There's actually a great divide. There's a great divide, exactly. You could, you could stand in the middle and outstretch your we walked hands through. and you couldn't touch either side. Right, and you would... Exactly, there's one plate on one side and one on the other. And there was this awesome rock out outcrop sort of thing yeah, that our guide pointed to, right? And she said, oh, and of course, you know, you know where that comes from. We're like, oh, when we're sort of looking up, it was sort of a lumpy, two sort of lumpy, rocky things next to each other. Well, you know, those were the two trolls that were caught kissing so distracted that they didn't see the sun came up and so it turned to stone. She was like, this is incredible. Like, and they believe this Right, stuff. and she's saying and it. And believe Right, it's just so magical. So here we are in this very scientific place yes. and in it was impressive and full-on and dramatic and, and gorgeous, but they've turned it into something also magical. Right. which was very cool yeah. you know very cool now you did a glacier yes um, I, I uh, had a big all-day tour where we covered a lot more ground in Iceland and you know I, I admit I'm not one of those people that has ever watched Game of Thrones but a lot of Game of Thrones was filmed in Iceland oh. so um, the person that I was with Anita was she was just she'd watched it all and as we're going along and through the countryside you know our guide was pointing out this is, a, this is an area, this is an area, and this is an area. And um, so for a lot of people, you know, if that is the only thing that's going to get you to Iceland, yeah. it's worth it because yes. it's stunning, absolutely stunning. But there, um, there are two glaciers in Iceland and they are two of the top three largest glaciers in Europe. Okay. And we were very lucky to go to the second largest glacier. And we had to get into this, this incredible four-wheel drive, these gigantic wheels. I loved it. It had... Um, Three gearboxes with 18 gears, especially purposefully built for Iceland, touring around Iceland and driving onto these glaciers for half an hour into the middle of nowhere where you could not see left or right. Well, you just it got all the like records. It was the most surreal. And we basically arrived at a point where we were going to explore an ice cave. Right. It's a man-made ice cave. It was... It was done and built by locals specifically, I suppose, for tourism and, and to, to, for people to experience what it's like to be underneath a glacier and to be that deep and that cold. And um, it really was incredible. We had a guide for an hour. We had to put on special clothing. And interestingly, because it was summer, the ceiling drifts. So you're walking through all of these tunnels and corridors through this ice cave, and it, it really is spectacular, and you're getting dripped on, um, which is which is funny, because it still was only not to groups right, okay. in the ice cave, and uh, so that was an experience in itself, really incredible and um, well maintained, and there's a chapel where you can get married if you want to, oh, and wow. you know there's a bar where you can you know have a drink, and it, it, and but. Interestingly, though, and this is the thing about these places, it doesn't feel touristy. I no. that enough. There's an authenticity it not, to it, no, right? No, it does not feel touristy. And look, not anyone can rock up in their rental car and, and, <laughs> right. uh, and start up to an ice cave on the second largest glacier in, in, in Iceland. And it, it, it was incredible. It was an incredible day. It's like this idiosyncrasy in Iceland, and so you have these conflicting things next to each other. And so your point, like you've got this massive, big wheeled, eighteen gears on this beautiful glacier and this, you know, far flung place, and and we're in this scientific place, and we've got the trolls. That's right. I while you did that tour, I had a similar experience in my visit for that day to the Blue Lagoon. Oh my goodness! Now the Blue Lagoon, for so lots of people who've wanted to go to Iceland or Reykjavik have that on their list, and you know it's the 
the well, minerals. Even the, even the name is right, of course. Yeah, you, know. you know, and mineral springs and how relaxing and it's heated water and you lie back and all of that. And and so do that in Australia. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and so uh, look, that'd be fantastic. Geothermal spring. Like this will be amazing, you know, and it and of course it was. But in true idiosyncratic Icelandic way, yep. it was different to what I expect. Sorry, the reason for it was different to what I expected. So we're driving up in the bus. So we, you know, we're at Port in Reykjavik and they sort of drove us out like you, they would have with you guys out on the tour. And as she's, they're sort of pulling up the guide and saying, look, so on your left, as we were about to pull up into the car park, you'll see there's a power plant there. You know, you could just sort of see the the mist or the, sorry, the, the, um, Smoke, smoke. smoke. Yeah, yeah, steam exactly coming out of the top. And I said, yeah, because the Blue Lagoon is a man-made structure that is actually used the wastewater off the geothermal power plant to create this wonderful experience for you. <laughs> Say what? And it's, it's so shocking, isn't it? I remember when you came back from that and told me I was incredulous because that's not what you equate with Iceland. No! I think that anything is man-made. Right, and but to them, this is exactly that? what you do. Right, and geothermal power plant yes. waste. And so I'm thinking like Simpsons, like we're going yes. to be like people are going to get two heads and stuff. And what's interesting is, so the water, this so there's deep thermonuclear springs underneath that they extract that for the power, right? And when you do that, it has this highly mineralized water that comes out of that. And when they worked that out, and they worked out the healing properties of it, particularly for dermatological stuff. They went, all right, we're going to create this pool that people can swim in and enjoy. And, and that's now one of their major attractions. Um, and like, it gets funnier. So not only is it man-made out of a power plant's wastewater, but then you're all there, like we're all, it's, it's Iceland, so nobody's got a tan, right? So we're all really white, swimming around in this sort of bluey sort of water. And they give you mud masks these these algae so suddenly you look like an alien right oh, green faced <laughs> white skin blue water and i sweat the aliens must be looking down just shaking their heads it it i frequently got the giggles it's just what it was one of those places where it felt a little idiotic once in a while it's yeah. just like this is hysterical but quite um i mean beautiful really beautiful oh it was amazing photos it's exactly what you imagine in your head is that milky blue water it is gorgeous yes. There just happens to be a power plant right there. And it was really relaxing. And like, it was, I'm so glad I did it and I would encourage anybody else to do it. But it is perfect Iceland to me. Like it really captures this bizarre place because they are just a little offbeat. They're oh, a little odd, aren't they? They really are. But I must point out that I um, I had a bit, bit of a shopping day one of the days and anyone is really keen about shopping and doesn't know what to expect in Iceland, oh my goodness, I can shop for two days straight. Yeah. The shopping is incredible. The jewellery. The jewellery was amazing. And, and of the course, art. a lot of um, outdoor right. outdoor clothes um, that are unique and specific High quality. to Iceland, their own yeah. brands. And um, the shopping was really, really um, plentiful. And yeah. I, I just, I couldn't get to it all, unfortunately. <laughs> you tried. That's right. I mean, and it's the perfect combination of these amazing, you know, outdoor experiences, vast and wild with 
you know, incredible jewelry made by local artists. Right. You really have everything there. Yeah, it was really lovely. Not to mention the restaurant that we went to. <sighs> that was yummy. Another amazing pick by you. Yes. And I'm not a foodie, so I always put my hand up and say, I'll do everything else, but I will not organize the food. And um, luckily, we, you know, we had you on the trip. Yeah. It and has been desired to. <laughs> research and find what could be the best experience in this local town yeah and it's a so i experienced both nick and my husband and i experience cultures through the food so it yes. is something we do and so i do have a i probably need to try and capture how i do it right but literally it's google maps and that's how i start my research and just try and find local places using ratings and everything and this was was it grill the market or so i think that's yes. what it grill market um First fabulous in a fascinating building right it actually looked like a terrace very, house very funky like with, this was that oh, modern nordic super cool you know that big gate that you had to walk to yes. behind other buildings and beautiful courtyard spiral staircase through the yes. middle of it and you know you saw it's the sort of place you wouldn't be surprised if there was smoke in a cup off your food like it was yes. that type but but not pretentious so it wasn't no. tiny serves these were big serves but certainly real artistry. You know, they really had some creativity and a bit of drama to what they did. They also had some interesting things on the menu. Should you <laughs> feel a need to maybe eat puffin? Well, uh, that's right. And we didn't, no, but we should you? did not, but you certainly could. You could, but that food, it was amazing. It was it one was of the beautiful. best meals I have ever had from yeah. start to finish. Even the ice creams. Do you remember my beautiful gelato? Yes. The blueberry wine was actually blue. Uh, an incredible it was flavor. stunning. It was so I will make really sure to actually fun. share that in a link in the show notes because it was now once again not cheap, um, but and probably not not super cheap in their standards. And then with conversion, pretty pretty expensive, but just so scrumptious. And when you are in a place for a short time, you've got to do that once. You've got you to, do. to really you know pick a place and go hard, and it's so worth it. It really was, and it's. You know, so I had a number of gorgeous, really creative cocktails. Like the whole thing was quite the experience. It was amazing. Um, and I'm so lucky that you found it. <laughs> so, well, fingers Otherwise crossed. I would have been eating in the local Icelandic, um, you know, pub, goodness knows. Well, and they certainly, it is, so, you know, it is a long way from everything. And you can see that in their fast food. So um, we were lucky, I think in Toshavan, you and I had some beautiful, um, what's, what's the name with it? It's the bits of bread with Well, the, it's the pumpernickel. You know, right, that sort of stuff. That's so base. that's gorgeous. So if you stick with those things, you're fine. But we saw a number of, a number of really dodgy pizza shops or, you know, that oh, sort of really I bad quality. I actually, I, I was so intent on keeping up my shopping pace. <laughs> I was starving. My legs were aching, but I would not stop. And I actually bought one of those slices of pizza and ate it while I was still shopping. It was just literally about keeping it alive. Correct. Quality was not an issue. No, and so that is up. different. So these places, that like those those types of foods are in that early and awful stage. You know, they haven't got into, um, you know, foreign sort of food that's at that heightened quality stage that every, like we all go through, you know, where it just gets better and better. I mean, I remember, you know, Chinese food in Australia years ago was horrific. Um, oh, and that's not because the Chinese was horrific. It was because it was silly Australians cooking it. And okay. right. So they're sort of in that stage with a lot of the international <laughs> stuff. Um, whereas the local stuff, like oh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, the history is fascinating to me. So, for the Faroe Islands in particular, it, like we said, it was very green, but not many trees. That's right. But what we learnt was actually, 
you know, the Vikings sort of arrived on these places in Iceland included. There used to be there trees. There used to be trees. So, <laughs> like, half because the land was trees, 45%, right. right? And they said, so before the Vikings arrived and then created, you know, big boats, there was about half the half of these areas were trees. Now it's 1%. Which and that was back then. Yeah, like, it's exactly. interesting. You know, we've been this destructive for quite some time. It's not new. No, not, new. not at all. And this is actually, like you say, cultures that actually are quite respectful otherwise of the land and, and connected to it. So, I mean, these same Vikings built these green homes that had grass on the roof that was a natural insulator. Like, so they they were clever in that way, but in other way, just, I mean, the destruction. It's the perspective that you come from. Right. You, you digest and analyze and judge. Right. Um, but you're right, there's a bit of a, it's like, wow, this is actually really clever. Yes. Um, would we have thought of that? Right. And I think um, it's, it's a great way to then reflect on where you are at home. So to see something in a microcosm like this and to sort of look at it and sometimes judge, we can't help ourselves, to then go, oh, yeah, but what are we doing at home? You know, and I think it's, that's part of the thing I love about travel. Like it really gets you to reflect on life and the way you live it here. Yes. I don't think either of us would have thought when we were young that we'd be getting to do the sort of things we've done. I mean, the other expedition you did to the Arctic, polar bears right there. Oh, you know, absolutely. We were I mean, just had Santa flown, you would have yeah. seen him. So it was right. like, exactly. you were right in the thick of it. And back then I just don't, I mean, I think I had a good imagination, but I just don't think I was anywhere near aware of all the things out there you could do, you know, no. it's even as a, a small child. So I'm curious about, as a kid, what you wanted to do or be when you grew up. So what were you imagining when you were little? Well, you know, it's actually, <laughs> it's not that inspiring, interesting or um, a surprise. And I think maybe it's that, you know, the, I grew up in a very traditional household. So I wanted to be a teacher. Oh, okay. I wanted to be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. And I think for a lot of young girls, they think about doing that because, you know, their experiences are limited to going to school. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I did want to be a teacher and, um, and you know, that, never happened um but that's what i wanted to be mm, and you're right it was one of the things that was on the list right yes, for young nurse. girls right yes a nurse, a teacher i librarian know, that's yeah you <laughs> never got to that one but um yep. yeah it was a fairly traditional small time job yes you're right it was and not i think that is an inspiring thing like well, it's very it impactful it should be yeah it should be um for sure for yeah, definitely and so then if we go all the way then forward past where we are now is there something you really yeah I mean you've knocked off some if like guys if I was to share with you Helen's travel history like if, if we could have a globe and there'd just be lines all over it like she's covered a whole lot of land but travel or not is there something that's on the radar for you that's look um I think you know travel has always been in my bones and I've been very lucky for a, a young person to have that experience with my family um and because that was for you well my dad's work, work and, yeah. and you're part of a family where the dad is moving you know you, you get, will to, go with you it. get to experience that yeah. um and it's something that you're exposed to and um it, it, you know from an early age and it is not something that is scary no right it's right. it becomes um, the fear is taken out of the yeah, equation. They're quite accessible. And so I'm always looking for the next great adventure. And I have been lucky to be on the world that can take you to some of these extraordinary places. But I still have not been to South America. And I need to get to Buenos Aires. And I need to get to Patagonia. And I need to hike. I need to get that North Face wardrobe out. <laughs> and, and the boots. For and some more tropical hiking. Right, and, and get out there. And that is something 
to me, that is another wild, vast place that I need to get mm. to. So for me, ship or no ship, I need to get to. South and another America. set of ancient cultures there. Well, exactly. Really a fascinating. Culture, a different food, lifestyle, bonus areas. People are eating dinner at 11 a.m. I don't know how I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I eat dinner at 6.30. So all of that. Um, but that, to me, is just, it's definitely on my list. Mm. It's, it's a big, it's a big thing. Me too. Oh, well, thank you for sharing very much. No, well, and for having, for having me on the trip me. as well. Oh, it, was it was wonderful to have you. And of course, the share, you know, experiences always better. Yes. Appreciate. And with somebody a bit silly. Yeah. Of course. Laughter is one of the best ways to right. on travel. I know. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Wow, we really did have a chat there, folks. So this episode will go a little longer than most. However, I can imagine you really got a sense from our enthusiasm how amazing the trip on the world was and how blown away we were by both the Faroe Islands and Iceland. When I think back on the trip and the fact that we were going to some places we sort of didn't know very much about, it really highlights to me how important your pre-adventure research can be. If you are undertaking an activity that is particularly new to you, then take the time to do some proper digging. You know, even go so far as reaching out to bloggers in that space to get their insights. These people are really passionate and they love to actually share their experiences. So don't be shy to ask for their help. Now, if our adventure inspired you particularly, then please head over to the show notes where we will drop in all the links we promised. And in this case, I would actually suggest checking out the In Search of Adventure show on Instagram as I will share some of our photos from our trip, which honestly, you may not think are real as the vistas are just so beautiful. And if you enjoyed the interview and want to know about new ones as they go live, then be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. Now, up next in our action tip segment, the fantastic Hayley Pierce and I will actually share a bit of a ninja tip on how you can use Google Maps in a different way so that you can have a master list of the places you might want to see in a new location, but also we'll have tagged your favourites post your trip so that any of your mates that travel there in the future, you'll be able to quickly go and give them your top 10 places they should check out. Uh, it's something that most people don't know about, but is really really valuable okay so Hayley in my discussion then with Helen about our trip on the world and Iceland and woohoo you know it's still exciting <laughs> uh, I may never get over that excitement um, we did briefly mention Google Maps uh, and you and I came back a few months ago from a trip to Washington yep. for a conference and the reminder about Google Maps prompted me to go in and see what I'd done in Google Maps for Washington Right. Because I use it a lot when I travel and I realized in discussions with people that not many people do the way that I do. I know. I mean, I, I know you can search, but I'm sure there's all these hacks that I have no idea of how to really Really, really use yeah. right, and so and and it, in fact, it happened the other night. Somebody said, "Oh, we've we've got to work out where to eat." Peter will be able to find a place, right? And that happens a lot. And what they don't know is, I literally go into Google Maps and up the top, wherever we are in whatever country or city in the world, restaurants near me, right? And it'll just bring up a whole lot of them. Right. What's interesting about Google though is it does the same thing as it does in its normal Google search, where it uses ratings and popularity to prioritize what it shows you. Oh. So when you say pick near restaurants near me, it says, 
oh, this one's been given four and a half stars out of five, so it bumps it to the top. So when you're in a location like Washington, then it will come up with those things around you that people have liked. Actually, that makes sense. So I've been to a few places now, not only restaurants, but parks, even on the bus, and they it'll come up with a question asking how your trip was, yeah. um, give us some stars, give a review. And I'd never really thought how important that was until this conversation that right. this it genuinely helps other people with their experience exactly so rather than just google maps being okay i need to go to this address i'll put it in and it'll give me you know directions for to get there which is what i use it for too what i do so say i'm heading out for that day in a foreign city and i'll take a look at that location i'll type it in and i'll zoom it out and first of all you'll get all of the highlights of any places you should see they're always there yep And then I'll start looking for things I might want to do. And if I see something I like, then I automatically put my finger on it, which will bring, you know, pops up at the bottom. Yep. But then it's got a little save button. Ah. And if you click on save, it'll let you do a couple of things. The first thing you can do is put a green flag. So that's like saying, green flag, pin it, please, because I'm interested. Right. And so it can just stay in your list of places for that location. Right. So, okay, I've pinned it. Right. Good, good. And I'll sit there for like like at breakfast in the hotel, pin, 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 and then look at the map and go, all right, what's my path? I'm heading off. Right. And then I'll go and take a look. So it's good for that. But then what's nice is when I get back, if I like it, Uh I go back in, click on that same save button and you can star it. You can upgrade it. Right. From a pin it to woohoo this was awesome exactly and so what's cool so i've just opened guys in google maps washington dc right and so this was a few months ago and hallie's gonna laugh when she sees what i've tagged here um so the little stars i've got the first one um that i can see here is a place called sweet greens Mm -hmm. now when we traveled to the u.s uh, by the time we'd been there for a bit, we we're all craving a salad. Healthy food. Right, because we'd been eating burgers and wings and <laughs> crazy stuff. Are, those things are great. They are awesome. But you can have enough of them. Right. And so Sweet Greens proved to be this beautiful place that just made the salads for you. And so I had green started, sorry, green flagged it. But then after we came back, I'm like, dude, that's going that's in the map. Yeah. It is. So now I've started, which is cool because I can now go back now months after we've been. And if somebody says, Hey, where can I grab a salad when I'm in Washington? It's like, I've got you. Yeah, <laughs> it's right there. Perfect. And I can zoom out. The other place that I've tagged in here, um, which is super funny was the hysterical Mexican restaurant we went to whose name was Alero. So they were the cool guys that gave us shots at the end of, oh end of dinner. Remember? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was a tequila it. one? Yeah. It was something painful. Right. But now this all sounds a bit benign, but what's fantastic is not only do you have a record of your journey, yeah. so I can go back to Portland and I'm going to be able to see the places I've been to. I've got these for Madrid, for London. I mean, all over the world I now have my highlights, That's which is lovely to revisit, but also everybody's going to say, oh, I'm going there next year. Where should I go? Yeah. And I don't need to um and ah. You I just know. go, dude, I've got it. I'll open it for you. <laughs> Screenshot. There you go. There There's the so list. There's so much power with all this tech that we have. Isn't there? I remember before we were heading off to Washington, I knew we had a day's there. So I quickly Googled um, day trip around Washington and Google had put together an itinerary of how and where I should go. That's amazing. And I just went, okay. And that's yep. what I'd, I'd planned to do. And it was within the 12 hours. It was literally even 
the different ways I could get between each of the memorials or monuments, um, whether it be you know, grabbing a scooter, grabbing a cab, grabbing the train. Um, and I, that was amazing to me. Yeah. Something, an area that I uh, possibly don't have much experience in and maybe yeah. not that great at, um, Google just put it all together for me. It does. And it is all there. And I, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised how few people don't ask Google questions all the time. Yeah. I'm now much better at that. So we've just booked our trip, like I said, for January and we're going to Kangaroo Island. Look, top 10 places to go in Kangaroo yeah. Island enter and up they came, yeah. you know, and people have written blogs and done videos and it's all there. I think people get scared of Google knowing too much. I think the more it knows, the better it is. Yes. <laughs> Obviously you don't want it to hear private conversations. No, but you're like asking it stuff, you know, just keep on asking it. It's tailoring its experience for you. It is. And so the step to me, if you are doing, so for travel, you've got a trip planned, big or small, it could be a long weekend to Melbourne. I would encourage you, if you're doing any digging beforehand, you come across something you like, tag it with a green flag in Google Maps, because I guarantee you when you get there, it will save you time. It'll make it far easier to plan what you're doing. Yep. Um, and because the other thing that Google Maps does is when you click on that item and it pops up with the details, it tells you open hours. It gives you Everything. the restaurant link. It, like it's all there. You know what I love about the history of that as well is that every time I've gone on a holiday, I promise I'm going to keep a travel diary or a journal <laughs> and I have the grandest intentions and yeah. I get back from my holiday. Two weeks later when I'm unpacking my suitcase, I found the empty diary. Yeah. So it this allows you to have, I guess, a general sense of, where you went on your trip yeah. Um, because I know if you've been away somewhere for two weeks, it's pretty hard to remember the order of which you oh, did it things is. And, and everyone wants to know and you're like, ah, oh, it was really exciting, I promise, but I yeah. can't remember the order in which things happened. 100%. And I mean, if you're anything like me too, I love finding the local gems. Yes. Like I really love that. Off the beaten track. Exactly. Not the obvious, hey, I went to the Eiffel Tower. Like yeah. that's wonderful, but it's like I found this little cafe under the corner or whatever, you know, so you know, tag them in Google Maps. Um, it will make a difference both to your journey before, during and afterwards yeah. um, and really take advantage of these tools because, I mean, I do everything right up to booking the restaurant from Google Maps. Yeah. You know, it, you, it'll it pop up the menu, like the whole thing is there. And not to sound like a total Google fan. No, anything, we are not getting paid for this <laughs> from my ad. There's no commission in this for us. Um, the, the times that I've done things like that as well, it'll even come up in my calendar, calendar and say, hey, if you want to make the restaurant by seven, you should probably leave now. Right. This is what traffic's like or this right. is what public transport you need to catch. And like, that's just... It's good to think for yourself, but if you, if you don't want to for a little bit, it's all there. Yeah, it is. So take advantage of the thing you already have on your phone. Exactly. Um, and if you're worried about data when you're overseas, I basically own the only data I use when I travel is Google Maps now. Yeah. Everything else is Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, but I find that and Uber to be the two things that I keep data on for, yep. and it hardly uses any. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, when you're if you've found a place and you're in Wi-Fi, you've got the directions... Um, if you turn Wi-Fi off, it'll still give you directions there. Yeah, well, so you've still got the navigational side of things, yeah, it's just, just not the... Uh, instant update. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So please enjoy, and I'd love to hear any local gems you find that you might have been tagged in Google Maps um, anywhere in the world, because I will add them to my little green flag list <laughs> for when I visit there. I'm hoping our chat so far have got you all revved up to head out and start living life like an action hero. 
If that's the case, I would encourage you to head over to the Adventure Club Room, which is actually our private Facebook group and is basically a support group for action heroes in training just like you. The link to the group is in the show notes or simply search for Adventure Club Room in Facebook. Now, next up is our Popcorn Adventures segment where we take a bit of a pivot from our everyday action heroes like Helen and look to fictional action heroes in movies to see if they inspire any dreams we may have forgotten to add to our list. And we'll debate whether they in fact measure up as action heroes at all. Now, the song from our movie today is as famous as the movie itself. And the movie has spawned memes, mimics, and even some experiments to test the validity of some of the lead characters' decision-making. The movie I'm referring to is Titanic. Take a look at this drawing that we found just today. A piece of paper that's been underwater for 85 years. I'll be damned. All right, you have my attention. Can you tell us who the woman in the picture is? Oh, yes. The woman in the picture is me. Louis XVI wore a stone called the Blue Diamond of the Crown. And today it would be worth more than the Hope Diamond. If your grandmother's who she says she is, she was wearing the diamond the night the ship sank. You really think she was there? Oh, yeah. I'm a believer. Are you ready to go back to Titanic? That was uh, the trail of Titanic. I have to admit a movie I have not seen for a very long time. And I have the lovely Haley with me. Why don't I start, just to kick us off though, so you'll remember, this was released in 1997, uh, which is actually longer ago than I'd realised, um, <laughs> and directed by James Cameron. And so the IMDb summary is quite succinct. It's quite funny. A 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious ill-fated RMS Titanic. And on Rotten Tomatoes, this had an 89%. I guess that's not really a surprise though, right, Helen? It was quite I mean, it's a, it's a classic. It's been yeah. around forever. Everybody knows the story of Titanic. I think a little bit when it first came out, it was a bit like Jaws. No one went in the water. Well, yeah. everyone was afraid of the cruise ships. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, exactly. But I guess the, the real history behind it all has made it such an iconic movie as well. It has. And... What's interesting actually is that James Cameron, he clearly had a thing for this boat. Like this wasn't just a movie that came up for him. He's since gone down in this new type of submarine and gone down and visited the Titanics, taken a whole lot of billionaires with him and, and off they go. So it's clearly a bit of a passion project for him, which probably shows, you know, it was quite a big epic movie. And in the movie, he really does, um, you know, the, the, the ship it, in every aspect is on display. Yes. The, the luxuriousness of yes, it. Yes, the, the type of people that, that went on this sort of cruise ship, um, the, the parties, all of that sort of yeah. thing. That was just 
such a perfect storyline for a movie. Yes. Um, to display all sorts of art. Yeah, exactly. And I, so we've I've chosen this movie because of the, um, the world visit that I did with Helen that we just talked about. And so I thought, yeah, well, it's got to be a big cruise ship. So let's pick the biggest and the, and the most memorable, the Titanic. But I have to admit, I had forgotten about the movie that there's this modern day old, like you switch between these two time zones. I'd sort of forgotten about that. Um, I was so focused on it being Leo and Kate. That, that <laughs> the I'd love forgotten, story. Right. That I'd forgotten there was all this other part, which was sort of cool, like to see them diving and and you know what they see and then connecting that to her memory. Yeah. But even for yourself having been on the world, the cruise ship yourself, the stark comp- difference yes. between that cruise ship and the cruise ship of the Titanic. Yes, and and the safety. I mean, the, on the world, they were obsessed with safety. We had to do a full briefing anytime you you new person came on board. There was you know boats everywhere. There was just like it was a completely obsessive thing thing for them. And I guess that probably started with the Titanic, right? Like it was the first that really was a bit of a disaster. I think they what well, they don't highlight in the Titanic, which you find out by I guess the years gone by and and um, research, is. They really obviously weren't prepared for it, but they yeah. really could have, it could have gone a lot better. Yes. Obviously. Yes. Obviously, so bad things happen. Absolutely. But you know, they, I, I was, they messed I was, up. I was reading some of the, just the fun facts and trivia about the Titanic and they had access to all of these emergency rafts and only put like a handful of people on them and like, okay, quick, go, go, go. It's like, oh, you could say you could have saved so many more Correct. people. Correct. Yeah. But of it course, was in panic. We, you know, we never deal with things ideally, do we? And, and it, it showed that, I mean, maybe back then they didn't do all the drills that they do now, you know, like yeah. all the sort of things where you're practicing this so you know how it's going to behave when you're ready for people that are going to panic, when you're like all that sort of stuff that we roll our eyes now. I mean, you and I in the office have had to do these drills for, you know, fire drills. And, yeah. and I mean, this movie points out why that's necessary. It's like, you know, people in disasters do not behave well or sensibly. Um, and so, yeah, it sort of made some sense. One thing that did stand out for me, even though the movie is glorious and epic, yeah, there is a difference in the CG quality now. Like you could yeah. sort of tell when it was a model that you were looking at versus when it was actually a set, you know, and yeah. they were on set. Um, not horrifically, but I did notice it. Even the um, the difference in class, um, the the lower level of citizens on the on the ship versus the. Um, I guess the really fancy citizens yes. on the ship. I don't know. Is there still that difference on cruise ships today? I, guess. I don't know. I'm curious too. I mean, cause on the world, you know, it's all fancy. It's only but upper class. Yeah. Um, I guess there is probably, you know, the, the, the ones further up would be, you know, you pay more, but I don't know whether that means you're separated or yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we'd love to have people reach out and tell us if they've ever, you know, in the modern day seen something yeah. like that where they really separate the classes. I mean, they probably wouldn't use that word for starters. No, no, no. <laughs> it's pretty horrendous. Um, but yeah, it really, I mean, it's long, you know, it's three hours. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think I really noticed that once it got going. So once it got moving and you were sort of caught up in everything, I didn't notice it, but it is a long investment of time. Oh, it is. And I think especially when you're watching it so far after its release. Yeah. 
that's yes. what, and you know the story as well. I I felt like it did. It was a little bit long because yeah. I knew I knew what the ending was. Come yes. on, let's get there. Let's let's get to that kissing scene at the front of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which happens surprisingly early, actually. Um, so and I, that makes sense because it's really about the boat going down. Yeah. But I have to admit, one thing that did stand out for me now, which I'm confident I didn't appreciate way back then, was the um, all of the cast. Like, I mean, there's the yeah. you know Leo and and Caden. That's great, but you know the lady who plays Molly, uh, Kathy Bates, like there's some incredible cast in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm sure it cost him a bit, but, you know, if he tried to do a similar thing now, it probably would be almost impossible. You just couldn't put all the people together that were in that movie. Oh, for you could just for a completely different price tag. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, and I guess he made, what, over a billion dollars or something for us. So. I, um, I just watched a Quentin Tarantino movie on the weekend and uh, it was Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt right. and Leo took a 25% pay cut just so that he could be on this film with Brad Pitt. Um, that was a 25% pay cut off his $20 million salary. Oh. Now you look at the Leo that's doing films now right. um, versus the Leo in this, in this, it's, it's just, it's crazy to see the difference. It is. I think, um, I mean, their interaction really stood out for me. I've got a bit of a thing about sort of romances or any of that stuff. Often it just looks a bit awkward, you know, like yeah. you see the, the couple and you're like, yeah, I mean, they look like they're trying to be in love, but it just looks awkward. Whereas it's clear they certainly trust each other. Like there was Mm -hmm. a connection when he's doing the sketching and she's sort of lying naked. I'm like, there's a high level of trust to do that as an actress. And you sort of, I didn't get a sense that she was tense about that. You know, it's, it, there clearly was a vibe where they trusted each other. And as I understand it, they're still good mates. And, and I think it sort of shows up. They're very young when they did this, but they still did it really well. Yeah. The um the other thing that I loved between the two and I guess in the whole movie was the the costume or the yes. all the clothes that people were wearing, the, the little detail. I thought it was it was beautiful and it, yeah. it suited the time and it was um it, you know, Kate was just absolutely gorgeous. Yes, and that in fact gets me to brings us to the dreams it inspired. One of the ones that it inspired for me was I'd love to go to a ball where the men are in tails and the yes. women are in, in these gowns, you know, and, and really that elegant sort of gown. So it's not the skin tight cleavage plunging sort of look. It's that really beautiful <laughs> Classic elegance. Um, I'd love to go to a you know a ball where that's the way we all get kitted out. As much as I'm sure our respective lads would roll their eyes <laughs> having to wear it. It's nice to do that every once in a while, right? <laughs> exactly. So that was one that that I added. I have to admit to my list. Was there anything that um, that you got? Yeah, look, I've never been on a cruise. It's, okay. to be honest, something that's never hugely appealed to me. I prefer, I guess, other types of travel. But hearing your adventures of going on the world, that um, I guess that really unique type of cruise, going to a place that's not your traditional sort right. of cruise liner, that would be amazing. Um, especially heading down to you know Antarctic or yes. those really icy areas, um, that would just be a whole other world. Yeah, it would be. I have to admit. Um yeah, using it to sort of get to places otherwise you might not go to or you certainly yeah. wouldn't want to be staying at maybe, you know. So yeah. those, yeah, unlike you say, the Ant- Antarctic, I don't know that I need to actually stay there, but obviously <laughs> <That's laughs> exactly, it would be awesome. I had um, just from where it started, which, it, you know, it, it um, cast off, I guess, from Ireland and yep. Ireland's been on my list for a while. I have done Dublin, but I haven't done the rest of Ireland. And so it sort of brought that back to mind, as did the music. You know, they had yeah. that sort of theme of that folk Irish folk music through it, which I really loved. 
Yep. Really good, really good musical track to the whole mm. movie. Through mm. the whole thing, I noticed that actually. And you, I guess that's James Cameron a bit. He's, you know, all of his other movies he knows do have he really good music behind Yeah, them. he does. And even even with Celine Dion's song, which yeah. is yeah. almost cringeworthy now, the rest of it was was beautiful. Really yeah. well done. I completely agree. One of the other things I had on my list was drawing classes, even though yes. I'll be horrendous. That's on my list. But even the, I mean, a lot of people that have been to bachelorette parties, there's that live drawing element. Yes. Some people like to, to have, do for a bit of fun. Yes. That would just be kick-ass fun. It would be <laughs> hilarious. So silly. Yeah, <laughs> but absolutely. it would be fun. And there is, I think with any of these um, hobbies, there are techniques you can learn. So even though you might not naturally sketch away, there's things they can teach you. And so I think yeah. we sort of always, you know, go, oh, you know, I'm going to be horrible, you know, and I and I know I would be, but certainly you'll learn some things, you know, and, and as long as you're with some people you like, who cares? You know, yeah, they, they do a few um, paint and wine sessions yes. at a few different places and you, you go in with the mentality, this is just for a laugh, and then you sort of surprise yourself that maybe you're half decent at this. <laughs> and they, they teach you, you know, they'll be like, okay, we're drawing a face. Now here's four different noses you can draw. Pick one. This yep. is how you draw that. Yeah. Um, and especially when you do the abstract sort of thing, even if it is horrendous, there's sort of a beauty in that. Yeah, absolutely. And who ca- it's relaxing. It's fun. There's laughter, yeah. you know, all good. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of action hero traits, um, I thought we could take a little look at Rose. Uh, it would be easy um, to pick. Oh, what is his character? I just keep on saying Leo. Jack. Jack. <laughs> he was close. <laughs> Women around the world are <laughs> throwing rocks at me at this point. Um, so I thought we might focus on Rose um, because she has a bit of an interesting arc in the movie, which I yeah. think is sort of, you could call her arc as her tapping into her inner action hero. She sort of goes from being passive in her yes. life yeah. and going, okay, I've had enough, right? Absolutely. I'm calling it, I don't want to live like this anymore and I want to, you know, lean into my decision. So I thought she might be a good pick. I think that's an important step in becoming an action hero as well. And, and maybe it's not for everyone, but you might find yourself to a point where I'm sick of feeling this way about something. Well, I'm sick of being held back from this thing that I want to do. And it's that, all right, tools down. I'm, I'm ready to. I'm making change. I'm ready to do this. Yeah. And it, she, she absolutely displays that, which is awesome. Yeah. And she, it's interesting because as I started watching the movie, I'm like, Oh no, like it, cause you do sort of forget the money issue of the story. And it, it seemed like early on, she was really obsessed with wealth. Like it, yeah. that's how it sort of got, pro, you know, projected in, in the, in the movie. And it wasn't until you started to watch, go, hold on, she's putting a front on and yeah. she doesn't care about anything like that. I mean, the only thing she cared about that was any, any way connected to money was art. art and yeah. even then they were cheap at the time because nobody knew <laughs> Her. Uh, all these artists, Picasso and all sorts of people. So really that was an experience for her. She she loved art and she loved how she felt about it. And I think it's, you know, whilst she she did care a lot about art and art can be expensive, it's okay to have an expensive hobby or dream or, you know, something that I might think is ludicrously expensive, but someone else, it's it's the thing that they love, they're happy to spend their money on. That's correct. It's, it's okay to have that. Correct. And she just, I mean, it's, and, and I guess the contract, so her arc is this like tapping into deciding what she wants out of life, how she wants to live. And then the comparison is the fiance, the Billy Zane character yeah. who just, it's, it's just money. Yeah. Even when you think he's getting a hard, he's, he's not. 
you know, and it's, and it's a wonderful contrast to watch the two of them go through that, particularly as she is actually the aristocrat, you know, and yeah. so she's the one that's, that's got title. Um, but she's the one that realizes it's all a bit baloney and, and, and isn't real. I mean, I think her mother is wonderful too. She's just a horrible human the- being. <laughs> Kate is such an, a beautiful character in herself, but she's surrounded by so many characters that really enhance who who she is in this whole movie. Correct, and it's, correct. It's awesome. And I guess there's a lesson in that too. In in part, Jack becomes her sidekick. You know, so yeah. he becomes the one that's sort of and and when you think it like light relief, nudges her in the right direction, calls her on stuff when she's being ridiculous or yeah. or isn't representing who she is, and so even though you know, the movie itself, they're sort of equal characters really, you know, as action heroes go, I'd say he's, he's the sidekick to her. Um, and she then goes on, there were some wonderful pictures of right near the end of the movie where it's the older lady in, like, yep. in bed and you can see the photos of her life post yes. Titanic. Yep. It's like, holy Toledo Batman, you know, she flew in planes and she like did all sorts of incredible stuff. I love that she's just the that it's so poignant at the end mm. dropping these truth bombs about life and what's really important to you and, and love and all yeah. these things. And it's like, what a great way to end a movie. Absolutely. It's like sitting there and listening to your grandparents. Yeah, it You're is. Like, oh. And when you think about the life lived, like it's just, we take for granted these trips and, and travel and flying. And, you know, and when she would have done it, it was a, propeller plane yep. where your head's sticking out the top and <laughs> you've got the goggles on like like that's not just hey i'm gonna nick off to melbourne for the weekend sort of flying <laughs> like it's and that that's true adventure you know it, it um it was so wonderful to see that arc from her it's um, awesome to see as well the that you think about the exercise we go okay now imagine it's your 80th birthday and who's there <laughs> in the room what have you achieved and it sounds so naff yes but that that is the scene yes. in the scene of Titanic. Yes. She's back on her uh, 80, 84 years after the sinking and yeah. just gone, well, this is everything that I achieved. Correct. <laughs> you know, she never gave up or she never sort of stopped leaning in. I mean, I think the other thing that's sort of action hero trait is that questioning the norm, you know, just because yeah. this is what society expects. That's not what I should do. Her mum has this awesome quote. She's chatting to some of the ladies who tea. Um, (laughs) and says, if somebody's talking about getting a degree and she says, but you know, Rose isn't going to need a degree because the purpose of university is to catch a suitable husband. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. Like, can you imagine if you're bright and bright and vibrant, you know, like Rose is, she's curious, she's all those things. And then to be told, but you don't need more education, darling. You've already got a fiance, you know, you're done. Yeah. (laughs) And even the, I mean, her name Rose, like it, it, it signifies such a beautiful thing that you just sit there and look at, but she's right. so much more than that. Correct. She's so much depth in her character. Correct. And I think that probably from everything we see, that probably translates to Kate Winslet too. Like she's, she is, she's gorgeous, you know, yeah. but she's clearly a character. She's got gumption. She's got attitude. <laughs> you know, she doesn't do what people expect. And yeah. it's like, actually she's, she's more beautiful on the inside than she's on the outside. You know, she's be, really um, fascinating. If they, I just cannot imagine them ever redoing a movie like this, but it would be interesting to see who they cast because, you know, they, I guess they do cycle through some of the classics. Yes. Um, I, I, I'd hate to think that they would do it, but it would be interesting. It would be. It's hard, isn't it? It's, this happens when they make musicals out of things. So yeah. you know, Grease to me isn't Danny Zuko, it's John Travolta. 
Yep. You know, um, and it isn't Sandy, it's Olivia Newton-John. And this is in the same category. It's, it's yep. surpassed the roles. It's the actors. Yeah. You know, and I think yep. you're right. It would be now it'd probably come out where there would be a whole generation that didn't know that the Titanic as a movie came out back in yeah. 1997. So I'm sure they think that's great, but, but yeah, I'm with you. There's just some things where they've, you know, it was magic. They clearly yep. pulled it off um, yep. and it was truly magic. Uh, so what do we think of a score for Rose as a finance action hero? Do you think out of 10? It's, it's, um, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's hard not to mark her down for not letting Jack on the door. Cause there was, <laughs> there was room Rose. There was room. <laughs> Basic physics says <laughs> you tried the whole way. You were great finance action hero the whole way until the came to the crunch and you just didn't pull your socks up. You didn't pull Jack up. Onto the door, Rose. Onto the door. <laughs> no, I mean, I love, you, you said it perfectly. She's got gumption. Um, mm. And I think she totally, she backed herself 100% when against the status quo. I, she, she's up there for me. Yeah, I think I'd probably put her at about thinking, a seven maybe. Like that's my yeah. sort of, she's not. So the planning wasn't great. The, you know, she's not particularly great with money. And in fact, I'm not even sure she understands money as a concept, but, um, but in terms of the action hero element, you know, and leaning in and sort of really working out what you want out of life. um, That's, I I gave her a seven, but you're right. You know, feel free to deduct points because of Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Jack slash Leo. Like, yeah. Lady, you let either of those die. Your decision-making skills aren't that fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> but, you, cool. but you're whimsy, you're whimsy and you're adventure, you're up there. Exactly. Well, folks, I'd encourage you to, to go and check out the movie again. I have to admit I did enjoy it. Um, I do think that it was, though, a moment in time where it was something new to us. And so it was a type of movie we hadn't really seen. And James Cameron, once again, you know, did something big. So just allow for that uh, when you see it. But I think both of us would say we've we've enjoyed it and we'd encourage you to check it out to see if it can add some more dreams to your list. Yeah. We would love to hear if you agreed or, well, disagreed with their takes on Titanic or maybe have even already travelled to Iceland or the Faroe Islands. Perhaps you've even lived on a cruise ship. So make sure you rate and leave us a review with your comments and feedback on your podcast platform of choice. And we'd love to hear about what fun is up next for you because there's an adventure story out there simply waiting for its action hero to step up. And I'm pretty sure that action hero is you. 